Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Park, 866-575-8111. This is the Brucklery Podcast. With me is my good friend and producer, Ari David, whom I spoke of in my Sunday show last Sunday. And uh, I was so, I'm so enamored with the year zero phenomenon that he talks about. And uh, it really is a very good theory. And uh, anyway, I bragged about him on the Sunday show, and, and it was emblematic of uh, liberal thinking, I said. And, and also, I, it, it came up at such a good time in the show because it explained uh, this point that I was making so I'm um, thinking to myself, wow, Ari is really going to be so proud of me. He's going to be so thankful to me. And, uh, and, and what happens? I, I go home and I happen to connect with him. And, and today I ask him, hey, so did, did you hear the show? Isn't that awesome? I, I gave you this, this major plug. And, and he goes, ah, I didn't hear it. Thanks, Ari. No, I did hear that part of the show. Yes. The rest of the show was awesome. Yes. Thank you very much. I did hear the show. The show. Yeah. Okay. And I knew you had done that. And yes, here's the public. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much from the bottom of my sincere little heart. And actually, thank you for, for the great idea. Because, uh, you know, and Dennis Prager talks about this uh, all the time. These little gems that people come up with that succinctly state the way the world is, is, is wonderful. Here's one that I came up with the other day, by the way. I was in a supermarket and I saw a parent trying to please this kid, right? For whatever it was, he wanted a toy, a candy, I, who cares? And it dawned upon me that the, the parent was so focused on making sure that the child was not disappointed. And then I thought, no, it should be exactly the opposite. He should be concerned that he's not disappointing you, parent. That's the, that's the goal. And it was these little epiphanies that, that really make life much more pleasant, but also guide you along in a way that you, you never think. It's completely opposite sometimes, and, and very much like my opposite George uh, Sunday show as well, which I thought was a lot of fun. Seinfeld George. The Seinfeld George, yeah. Episode. Right. In Seinfeld, there was an opposite George uh, episode where George Costanza, the, one of the main characters, he decides that uh, every instinct that he's ever engaged in has always led to horrible results. And he doesn't know what to do, and he's so disappointed with himself. And so while, the, while they're at their common coffee shop meeting, uh, Jerry says to him, well, why don't you just do the opposite all the time? And he goes, what are you talking about? Well, just be the opposite of who you are. 
Every instant, whatever you're doing, do the opposite of what you're doing. And at first, uh, he says, he balks at the idea, you know, I, I can't do that. And he goes, just try it. You've got nothing to lose. If every instinct that you do always leads to bad results, then, then do the opposite. You cannot possibly do worse. <laughs> and, and George says, you know what? You're right. And I really love, love the fact that he embraces this idea so much. And then sure enough, right away, you know, George notice, uh, Jerry notices that this woman is kind of looking at George in a somewhat flirtatious way. So he says, look, she's looking at you. Why don't you uh, say hello to her? And so he goes, okay. At first thinking that there's no way a, a pretty girl like that is going to be interested in him. But he, he just goes up to her and he says, hi, my name's George. I'm unemployed. <laughs> I live with my parents and I have no decent prospects for the future. <laughs> and, and you see this woman pushing the chair toward, toward him to invite him to sit down. She's, she's very eager to, to get to know him better. And so sure enough, he, he acquires this girlfriend, and things are great for him. Then, of course, he applies the same uh, mentality when he tries to look for a job, and, and he does everything, everything the opposite. Instead of being uh, obsequious and uh, you know, uh, self-inflating all the time, he simply speaks his mind. And he gets this great job with the New York Yankees, right? Anyway, opposite George. It's a, it's a great way of going about things. All right, look, I uh, want to change topics a little bit because um, it, it's so emblematic when we talk about um, liberal thinking. Uh, classic issues are, of course, abortion, racism, global warming, uh, and socialism, generally speaking. Um, there are many different examples. And it dawned upon me, we had a discussion um, the other day with uh, a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, about the issue of abortion. She's liberal, um, and she's especially liberal when it comes to the choice issue, right, on abortion. And she would talk about, in response to all of our topics about, do you think it's fair to kill a child, you know, a week before he's, he's otherwise due, how about a month before he's due? How about a, a day after he's born? What's the difference? A day after he's born is is, is that's that's not murder. That is murder. But the day before he's born, that wouldn't that wouldn't be murder. That sort of thing, right? The conversation. And then we noticed both Ari and I that the, that her argument did not address those points. Instead, what she did is she started arguing at the margin. What do I mean by that? I mean that she said, well. You know, those cases, what about those cases where the, the, the life of the mother is at stake? What about uh, incest and rape? Um, uh, things of this nature. What if there's a horrible disease that this child has and it will cause misery and suffering, such as uh, encephalitis or Down syndrome, uh, putting aside whether or not that actually causes misery and suffering for the parents or for the child himself? Just put that aside, because uh, I'm not really drilling down on that issue. What I noticed was that every point she made was a point that argued at the margin, right? And, and meaning that uh, let's, let's allow abortion willy-nilly because there are these, these crazy exceptions that, that don't actually exist in most cases, like the health of the mother issue. Um, or the rape, incest. Right, yeah. That, that's maybe... All those things, rape, incest, and health of the mother, and we're talking about a real health of the mother situation, not a psychological need, health of the mother. 
but where the woman's life is actually in danger somehow. Yeah, she has narrow childbirth and hips or something, and she'll be split in two by trying to deliver something right. like this. Right, and let's, let's assume that even exists in today's modern technology. Let's assume for the sake of discussion. You're talking about maybe 0.1% adding all those things of all the pregnancies out there. Okay? So sh shall we, therefore, uh, allow everyone to go willy-nilly on abortion um, because of these marginal situations, right? But that's, that's the way they think. And it's very important that they, they focus. You, you'll see, as, as you argue with most liberal thinkers, they will say, what about this scenario where such and such is happening? Okay, marginal thinking. It's all based in the mentality of, well, it's better 99 murders go free than we convict one innocent man. Right. That but, whole kind of thing. And, and by the but way... What about... But that's one guy. Right. It's one guy. And, and that is not an argument that is an effective argument either, the 99 versus the one man, you know, sort of thing. Um, the people... That actually is not in the Constitution. We believe in liberty, but we, we believe in due process. That's what they're talking about. And when there is a, a benefit of the doubt, we give the benefit of the doubt to the accused. Fine. But beyond a reasonable doubt is beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's, that's the way it works. So that's the level of doubt we give, and that should be sufficient. But, you know, you can apply arguing with immersion to everything. Um, let's say, you, you know, speeding, for example. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, cops are allowed to speed. Fire trucks are allowed to speed and ambulances and such, right? Well, therefore, we should all be allowed to speed, right? I mean, shouldn't we be allowed to speed because those guys are allowed to speed. You know, I can just see the argument now, right? What if you have to get to the hospital in time? You're, 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 you're dying of a heart attack uh, and you don't have an ambulance. You should be allowed to speed. So therefore, we should all be allowed to speed. Yeah, did you hear about Joe Frack who got pulled over going 120, but he was having a heart attack and trying to get himself to the hospital and he pulls over so he's not shot by the cops and he died of a heart attack? Well, we have to legalize speeding for all. There you go. Why not, why because not? if one guy, it, and Obama articulates this, sorry to talk here because I'm in the middle of it, but you know Obama's speeches, if one child goes hungry, if, if one person doesn't have a job, at 300 million? Right. That justifies uh, upturning the entire social structure that we have. Right. Uh, another great example of marginal thinking is Obamacare, right? They said that, uh, I don't know how many... 30 know, million uninsured. Right. And, and putting aside whether it's actually 30 million, because when you take away all the those who don't want to be insured and those who don't care to be insured. And, and the illegal aliens. And the illegal aliens, you're actually looking at six or seven million. Okay. So let's just say it's, let's say just for a rough estimate, to be generous, it's 10 million. Okay. So now we're going to, we're going to upend the entire medical system, our very way of capitalism and our very way of understanding the way uh, supply and demand works because of these 10 million schmucks who uh, supposedly, you know, just don't, don't care about getting insured or otherwise don't have uh, means. And I don't mean schmucks in a derogatory term. I, I shouldn't say it that way. I'm simply saying um, these people that, that uh, for whatever reason, they can't get it. Yeah, let okay? me put it more pointedly for you, or more gently. For these people who are the rare exceptions yeah. out of 300 million, these rare 10 million. Right. <laughs> it's arguing at the margin, yes. isn't it? You, you see where I'm going yeah, with this, folks? So I, I'm, I'm really fascinated with this because because of these 10 million people, a lot of them undocumented aliens, to use Obama's phrase. Uh, we are now having to change the entire way. They, they ruin it for the rest of us, so to speak. Okay? We had a perfectly decent system. 
uh, that could use some changes, but not be, not the way that they want to go. You know, their belief is that if a little socialism is uh, is not working well, then just you know, apply a whole lot of socialism to the problem, and then it'll be even better. You know, that's the the Paul Krugman school of uh, socialism, right? With the, the surplus, the uh, the stimulus. Well, a trillion dollars was not enough. We should have made it three trillion or four trillion, and then things would really have worked. Okay, yeah. Never, never mind that he has no examples of that ever working in history, but but maybe he's right this time. Yeah, he does. It's the Stalin didn't wasn't able to go far enough in those five year. Oh, plans. I see. Yes, that's true. You know, yeah, good point. That's it. All right. Anyway, so arguing at the margin, and, and, and this is really a different way of looking at things, isn't it? Here, here's another example, um, the, the safety net. You hear this expression all the time, right, where people say, well, shouldn't we have, when it comes to welfare, um, a, a safety net? And, uh, of course, they never argue uh, what that safety net looks like. What is the safety net? W- when you say safety net, you, you, you just imagine, you know, it's some sort of circus situation, right, where Falling everyone is... from the Empire yes. State Building after tightrope walking, there's a net. Right. And and the safety net is, you know, just there. It's just a bunch of uh, ropes and ribs. And, and it's still dangerous, but nevertheless, it'll protect you from actually dying. Okay. That's a cute idea. But... But what is, what is the safety net for? Is it to protect you from dying or is it to protect you from failing in business? And I put it to you, that's probably the latter. But again, it, it simply begs the question because what they'll do is they'll say, well, I know this person who's a paraplegic and he, uh, you, know, for, you know, suddenly he got fired from his job. He couldn't perform as the foreman on his, on his uh, construction site and, and uh, he didn't bother getting insurance. For whatever reason, he couldn't get insurance, and now he and his family are out in the street, you know. So, you know, there it is—the margin again, right? Yeah, Therefore, we one family, right? We have to change our entire system, okay? And and putting aside what a safety net means, does a safety net mean what I just described—an actual net where you actually avoid people actually dying in the streets, or is does it mean that you get a phone, you get a TV, you get a stipend for this, you get you get free college education, Obama get, cash from a stash? <laughs> that's exactly. I mean, that's. What, what is the safety net? I mean, we, we, we talk loosely about this phrase, safety net, but it's really quite ridiculous. But again, I don't want to digress. I'm talking about arguing at the margin. Yeah, the bigger principle. Right. And I was thinking while we were talking about this, the one of the things that I think this is about is the liberal obsession with fairness. Because if they argue at the margin, are able to up, overturn the system for the remaining $290 million and make it unfair for them, as unfair it is for the original $10 million, well, they've achieved what they want, which is equality. Because unfairness for all does equal equality, does it not? Of course. We're all equally miserable. Right. That's, that's the point. It, so, so liberalism doesn't try to elevate or make people happy. It just tries to make them equal. Regardless of, of course, state of mind. Of course. And, and then we could argue at the margin, like, well, gosh, there's this guy like Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs is gone, of course, but there's this other young gentleman who's so promising and he has so many great ideas that, that this crazy system of ours is, is squashing this young man from, from giving us great ideas. You know, don't you think we should change our system? And they would say, I don't care. But we would be arguing at the margins correctly, by the way, to say, look what you're doing to this, this brilliant mind. Yeah, can we eliminate the business tax? Can we eliminate the yeah. loopholes and difficulties it takes in patenting something? Right. Can we uh, make his yeah. whole journey easier for right. all of us? Da Vinci, Einstein, Steve Jobs, all those brilliant minds, they'll be, they'll be squashed at the margin, right? And so how do you answer that? 
my liberal friends. This is, this is an important thing to understand. Whenever you have a policy, people are going to be affected at the margin regardless. No matter how well-intentioned you, well you are, no matter how good you think the system is, people at the margin will be dramatically impacted. Okay? You don't have to like it. But we, we do know one thing, is that our system of capitalism, a God-based capitalism, capitalist system, is the most effective system, the one that gives joy and benefits to the most people of all time. Okay? And you can always, you will always be able to point to one person and maybe even a couple of people who are not enjoying all the benefits of that capitalist system. Agreed. Okay? But you cannot change the entire system to make them happy because by trying to make them happy, you'll make other people, yes, at the margin, even more unhappy. You'll squash somebody I at the end of the day. I think you mean to say people who are not at the margin unhappy. No, I mean at the margin. I mean, I mean the Einsteins and the Steve Jobs and other people who otherwise have great ideas. And, you know, you and I uh, were entrepreneurs. If, if Obama had his way, I, we may have to close up our shops because of all the regulations and, and the taxing that we have to do. So we'd be the ones that are affected. Why aren't we victims? Why, why are we not being protected? Right? I, I want to you know, grow my family. I want to, I want to uh, you know, succeed as, as much as I can for my family. And I, and I'm, I don't struggle, but I, at this point, I, I had struggled. And now we've made this very nice law firm operation, and I think we're very successful. But I worked hard at it. And if you change the social structure upon me, uh, that my law firm will collapse. I won't be able to, to pay all those taxes. I'll have to do something else, work for the government at the end of the day. Everyone will be a bureaucrat at the end of the day. That's the only way it works out. So, yes, I'm talking about us at the margin. Somebody will be affected. But they don't understand that. Yeah, but I'm making the bigger point that also people who are not in the margin, people who are in the main part of the bandwidth, sure. who, don't, who aren't within a disruption, either force or area, will suddenly find themselves marginalized. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. But I'm talking about marginal thinking because I want to show how so many liberals, how they argue. And, and if you're a liberal, I want you to understand how you argue yourself. I want to, you to check in with yourself because I would agree with you, but it's a different topic uh, that Obamacare, for example, has consequences, consequences that we're now seeing played out just as you and I had predicted, that, pr that premiums will go up, that you won't be able to keep your doctor, that you won't be able to keep your policy, and that they'll inflate the numbers and all those things we talked about. But that's not about arguing at the margin. They're just they're bad policies, and that's a different podcast altogether. You, you, yeah, you know another reason uh, where they argue on the margins. I just thought of it. You know how often you uh, get into conversations with liberals about the economy, and their immediate reaction is, "Well, the stock market is way up." But before the economy was in the hands of their lovely Democrat, they used to point at stockholders, i.e., evil speculators, and say, "See those marginal people reaping those massive rewards." Yeah. But then, when the economy is in the toilet, but their guy is in charge, they point to the stock market success as an indicator of the whole economy, even though by their own definition, before their guy took charge, that was just a little marginal column. Yes. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, let, but I, this or, kind of thinking is all over the place. It's all over the place. Um, they, they, they pick and choose what 
what arguments they want for the for the moment, and then they apply year zero thinking, right? Yeah. And they they forget they they forget their own history about what they used to believe, and and they'll change the rules on you, just like the, the Senate changed the rules about um, judicial appointments and everything else, right? And then they they won't think about how how they're. But again, I don't want to talk about how they are inconsistent or how they are hypocrites, which are all true, and they also their programs themselves are lead to consequences that they themselves uh, just don't care about. And we see right away because everything has a consequence. We know that. So we just ask, what will the consequences be? They don't even ask that question. They just look to the intention. So I'm not talking about that, Ari. I'm talking about how they argue. And it's very important because process is very important. Here's what I mean. If I went to court, and I go to court all the time, uh, and, and some guy says, uh, the, the, the opposing side said, you know, that my client owes him a million dollars because here's, you know, we, we were supposed to deliver a whole bunch of bananas and they were never delivered, okay? And my response, generally speaking, the argument would be, yes, I did deliver them. Uh, it was delivered to his agent at, and, and here's a picture, his signature of his agent and that should be sufficient. And uh, therefore, I don't owe the money, Right. That's an argument. I'm dealing directly with the issue at hand. That's my defense. Maybe the court will agree with me. Maybe the court won't agree with me. But there you have it. Another way to argue is, you're a stupid head, <laughs> right? Or, uh, you know, Your Honor, this man um, thinks in terms of conspiracies, and this man uh, believes in the lunar uh, landing, and, 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 and I try to mock the other person. Well, the judge will correctly turn to me and say, Mr. Lurie, um, please no ad hominem attacks. I simply want to understand why you think that he's wrong. Please tell me. Please address the issues. And I'll continue to talk about other things, everything but the issue at hand. And I'm trying to say this is the way liberals, so many liberals, think. Okay? That's all. And they, they argue at the margin. Here's another area where they argue at the margin. And, and, and frankly, you can almost toss out any idea, Ari, and I'll show you how it's marginal thinking. That's how consistent this is. Here you go. The death penalty. When you address the death penalty, what is their response? It's inhumane. Uh, yes, they do. They say that. That is actually addressing it directly. But they, don't, they never address it correctly. What they say is, and when, you say, when I say it, you'll say, yeah, you're right. That's what they say. They, use, they go into marginal thinking, and they say, the chance that you might kill an innocent person is not worth it, right? Well, my friends, that is an example, yet again, of marginal thinking. The incredibly rare, wrongful application right. of death penalty. Right. And it, it goes far further from your ratio of 99 to, or I think, actually, original is 9 out of 10, and then you said, jokingly, you said 99 out of 100. No, it's more like... Like one out of a million. One out of a million chance. And yes, there's the Innocence Project and things like this, and somebody will call in or email me soon enough to say, oh, there's... They'll, they'll point out the three examples. Yeah, there's Jackie Fry, who's exactly. still there. And yeah, exactly right. And he was like... Lou, yeah. But that, that's, that's, a, that's a price that we have to pay. We cannot, we cannot simply discard the entire death penalty, which has tremendous benefits of deterrence and punishment. Yes, that's right. Deterrence and punishment um, for the sake of making sure that, uh, you know, nobody ever, you know, possibly might, might be killed by the state. 
Never mind, and, and as Dennis Prager points out very well, that we constantly make these calculations all the time. We allow planes to fly in the sky, don't you know? Cars to drive on roads, boats to sail the seas. That's right. Are you crazy? People to walk on sidewalks. Are you crazy you're going to allow an airplane to fly in the sky? I mean, this thing can fall, and in fact, they will fall from the sky. People will die. You just don't know who's going to die. That's, that's, that's true. Uh, but we, we don't you know, uh, uh, prohibit airplane travel simply because some planes will crash. Don't you know Malaysian Airlines lost a plane this year, and we don't know where it is? <laughs> that's right. Right? That's right. And we still let them fly? Look, and cars are even more emblematic of all this, right? Cars constantly are crashing. People die every day, literally every day. And airplanes don't crash every day. But people die every day, car fatalities. Okay, so you can argue, well, we don't want, we don't want that happening. Even if one person dies uh, through negligence, nobody's, in try, nobody's trying to kill them. But these are dangerous machines, and they blow up or whatever it might be. So nobody drive nowhere. nowhere. And then you could prove to them, and I could prove to you, that if you reduce the speed limit from 65 or 75, as the case may be, to 35 or 45, well, then you're, you're going to save that many more lives. So why don't we do that? Well, we don't do that. We do a trade-off. And the government knows. The government has all these statistics. And, and, and it's not the government that has to have these statistics. It's common sense. We know that if you reduce it substantially, that you will save lives. But we don't do it. Because okay? driving down the freeway at five miles an hour will be quite inefficient. Right. But, but if you applied marginal thinking to this, no one would drive a car. No one would fly a plane. And as you said, nobody would even walk on the sidewalks. Because there is that, that rare exception, one out of a thousand, uh, in, in the case of abortion, for example, and one out of uh, 10,000 in the case of the death penalty, where the opposite of what you want will actually happen. Yeah, and then there's, oh, you'll love this one, the Keystone Pipeline. Oh, where yes. That's they, marginal thinking. Yeah, well, not only marginal thinking, but it has the opposite effect. The argument against Keystone Pipeline is all the ecological damage. So instead, that oil is put on trains, which have had a ton of accidents over the last couple of years, causing untold environmental damage yeah, we should, we because should, of their marginal thinking. We should ban trains, too, I think. That's, that's probably the, the, the correct answer well, there. Trains are communists. I've been arguing for the banning of trains for years. The Russians love their trains. Right. Um, here's another marginal. That was thinking. probably the greatest thing I've ever said. Just yeah. <laughs> I think so. That's true. Light rail, communist. <laughs> Subways, communist. Um, well, we talked about abortion. We talked about um, the death penalty, of course. We talked about Obamacare. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, you know, I, I have it. Their response will be that the state sanctions the death penalty. That's what the difference is. Really? Does it really matter? I mean, treat then, if you like, your being wrongfully arrested as an accident, okay? The car, the, you can, when you're on the freeway and you suddenly get slammed uh, and you get killed, guess what? There was no due process involved. You didn't have a jury before your peers. At least in the death penalty situation, you have a fighting chance <laughs> that you can protect yourself. Yeah, you have this. several buffers before you get to God's will. That's right. 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 So, so it, it doesn't matter. This is a, a, a difference without significance, as we sometimes say in the law. You, you have to think about that. Now, here, here's the funny thing. They don't argue in, re, in reverse about this. For example, why not argue um, that you shouldn't allow driving or flying, like we said, 
um, we know that things are going to be uh, there's there are going to be accidents. Same thing with bicycling, hiking, skiing, or even eating at a restaurant, right? Because you might ch- choke on a bone or die of food poisoning, right? Um, Hot dogs are dangerous. Yeah, you know, but but as Hillary Clinton famously said. You know, hey, what difference does that make, right? It's always about the difference. And she also said it takes a village to raise a child. So what is it? Is it what difference does it make, or do we all have to collectively be our children's and our neighbor's children's keepers? Here's another example of marginal thinking, and this is a big one, Ari. Ready? And as soon as I say it, you'll say, man, wow, that is so on, so spot on. Ready? But the vast majority of Muslims are peace-loving and are not terrorists. Man, that was <laughs> so on. You have no idea. Right? Yes. It's classic marginal, marginal thinking. Marginal thinking. All right? But in reverse, in its own way. Right? They will not... See what? <laughs> they don't address the problem. They address the the ninety nine percent of non problem right. as they see it. Right, right, exactly. So you see, what I'm saying they're doing the opposite of what they're doing when it comes to abortion or the death penalty. When it's the when it's when it leads to the result they don't like, well, then all of a sudden it's the vast majority. Let's not uh, let's not take any action. Okay. Right. Then all of a sudden they would be doing the equivalent of the pro life thing. Right. Yeah. It's it's an amazing thing. It's not the vast majority of cigarettes don't kill people with secondhand smoke. Yeah. It's ban it. Right. But with terrorism, well, the vast majority don't mean you any harm. Right. It's, amazing. It's an amazing thing. Brilliant right? argument. Yeah. Yeah, that needs to be on a Sunday show. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm thinking about that's, putting that's on a, a good show. One. Uh, one last example that I can think of. And by the way, you know what? Let's throw it out there. Just let's throw out like five different topics, and then decide, and, and then we'll choose the marginal thinking of it. Okay. Ready? Uh, I'll go first, and then you go second. Affirmative action. Tax policy. Okay. Um, we talked about global warming. Gun ownership and self-defense. Okay. You know, gun accidents versus oh, right. ones where okay. you protect yourself. Uh, I'll let you choose among those four. Uh, guns, I think, are the clearest one. Yeah, probably so. Okay, gun, gun ownership. It's so easy, folks. That's the whole point. And we're going to show how marginal thinking applies. I really think we've hit on something here. So marginal thinking in the gun ownership thing, it's, it's very clear, right? Some wacko goes out and does the horrible things that they do, whether it's in Connecticut or otherwise, Fort Hood, and so on. And what's the immediate reaction? We need to ban all guns, okay? This is very similar to the death penalty situation. So innocent people are killed by some maniac, therefore... Innocent people have to relinquish their self-defense means. Exactly. Marginal thinking. Never mind that... The 999 out of 1,000 situations where guns actually protect people, that actually uh, save lives. Never mind that. Or stop killers. Right. It's the one time that they don't do that and that some killer uses it inappropriately that that is focused on and therefore, boom, you gotta, you got to completely deny people's right to access guns. And, by the way, that same killer violated untold number of laws in the killing of those people, but we need to pass new laws that would never have stopped him just to make ourselves feel good. Right. This is the concept of marginal thinking. And you will notice, uh, my dear liberal thinker and friend, that when you argue that you are engaging in marginal thinking, marginal argument, and uh, it's not a healthy way to argue, it's an ineffective way to argue, it's the wrong way to argue, just like my example of the courtroom. Don't do it. Focus on the issues. 
either you're right or you're wrong. But uh, like you pointed out brilliantly, Ari, about abortion, this is the way uh, they, they think about this, and it can't be right one day uh, before the birthing of a baby and be totally murder the next day after the birth of the baby. And you cannot argue at the margin. You have to deal with the actual issue. My friends, this is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon.